this week on Hope for the Broken. So when it says Jesus is the Prince of Peace, He's the one that comes to bring reconciliation between us and God. And the only way we can receive that is through surrender. But peace from Christ is love. And that is the love that we receive from Christ. And that is the only way. That is why Christ is the redemption for the broken, for the unpeaceful. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. We celebrate Christmas Day today as we conclude our sermon series called The Hope of Christmas. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part four, titled, A Neverlasting Peace. This morning, we're going to wrap up our teaching series uh, that we've entitled The Hope of Christmas, and we've taken a look at several different things uh, throughout this series. We've looked at a promise foretold, we've looked at a promise fulfilled, and then we began looking at the titles contained in a prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9 that is given to the Messiah that we know to be Jesus. And we've looked at Wonderful Counselor. And then last night, we took a look at Mighty God. Today, we're going to wrap up by looking at the final two titles given to the Messiah, which is Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And what I've done this morning is I've invited Pastor Jeff to come alongside me as we just kind of talk through uh, these two titles together. One thing that you need to know is that throughout the week, as I study for my messages each Sunday, I usually get fired up about something. And uh, the first thing that I do is I go into Pastor Jeff's office and I sit these or the chairs from his office and we just we sit and we just start talking. And if you have been around Pastor Jeff at all, you understand him to be an incredible, uh, have an incredible insight into application of the Bible. And so much of what I preach to you on Sunday morning comes out of our session together. So what we thought we would do this Christmas morning is just kind of let you in on that. All right. There hasn't been a whole lot of prep time to this. And so Pastor Jeff, you interrupt me as you normally do. And, and I promise you this, all the good stuff from this morning is going to come from this chair. All right. And uh, I'm just so grateful for Pastor Jeff. How many of you guys are grateful for Pastor Jeff? Love you, buddy. Merry Christmas to you. So uh, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9 as we look at the final two titles here uh, given to the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but I have like uh, two brain cells. And there are oftentimes things that people say or concepts that I read about that I just don't understand. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I hear the words that are coming out of your mouth, but I don't understand what you're saying. Anybody relate to me on that? Is it just me? Uh, I think every married male in the room understands what I'm talking about. I remember one time uh, Kathy sent me to Walmart to go get olives. And I went to where I thought the olives would be, and there were no olives. And so you know what I did? I picked up the phone and I called Kathy. I said, there's bad news. Walmart is out of olives. And she says, no, 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 no. They're, they're in this section. 
And I was like, what section is that? And she had to walk me through to find, who would have thought that the olives would have been in that section? And so sometimes I hear the words that is coming out of Kathy's mouth, but I just don't connect all the dots, right? And, uh, and so understanding things sometimes is, is, is difficult for me. I think that if there are any two theological topics that we would say would be extremely challenging for us to understand, it's the two topics we're going to talk about today in, in two titles, eternity and peace, right? You think about it. In our, in our minds, in the finite of our minds, how difficult it is for us to begin to comprehend e- eternity. Think about the universe. The fact that the universe has no end. I mean, it's ever going, right? It's something that our minds can't begin to fathom. How can anything go on forever? Well, Jesus is our everlasting Father. Forever lasting Father. Or think about peace for a moment. I came across an article in uh, my study this week in preparing for this message written and published by the New York Times. And it was extremely interesting. It said of the 3,400 years of recorded human history, the world has only known peace for 268 years. You think about that. You know, only 8% of human history has been peaceful. There's always conflict going on some part of of the world. Chances are, for the majority of our lives, there has never been peace in in the world. But today we're going to try our best to help us all understand and wrap, wrap our minds around the fact that Jesus is our everlasting Father and is the source, the Prince of Peace. And so... uh Pastor Jeff, you ready to jump in like we normally do? Okay. All right. So let's begin by looking at Isaiah chapter 9, and then we're just going to begin discussing it together. Chapter 9 of Isaiah, beginning verse 6 and on to verse 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's first look at everlasting father. Two extremely important words. Everlasting and father. Think about the word everlasting, and perhaps your translation translates it differently. Maybe in your translation, you have the word eternal father. It's the same idea here. Everlasting and eternal means that something exists into perpetuity. It exists forever. And I know that I mentioned this a little bit. We touched a little bit on this for those of you that were here last night. When we talk about Jesus being everlasting, being eternal, not only does it mean from his birth on will he be in existence, but he's also been existent into eternity past. Mm -hmm. Jesus, whenever he says, and it was recorded in the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he truly is the very beginning and the end. He supersedes even the beginning of time. 
The Apostle John also records in the first chapter of his gospel, in the beginning was the Word. And we learn that this Word then became flesh. Jesus, being everlasting, being eternal, means that He's not only eternal from the moment of His birth on, He's eternal in both directions. Here, it's something that is extremely challenging to wrap our minds around. Pastor Jeff, do you have anything that that comes to your mind when you think about this vastness of who Jesus is? In just a second, when you make your second point. Okay, all right. So he's he's already, get ready. You think I'm long-winded, just wait, right? I'm just kidding. So, everlasting component. Um, now let's look at the father aspect. There's so much to say to this point. Not only is Jesus eternal, but he's eternally a father. Now, we know that these titles were given to the Messiah who we know to be Jesus. Jesus fulfilled every single messianic prophecy, proving that he is indeed the Messiah. And so this word father is an interesting one. Is this giving the title of God the Father to Jesus? That's a question. And the answer to that question is no, it is not. This is not referring to Jesus being God the Father. And while the Bible does not use the term Trinity, we know that it often teaches a plurality within the Godhead, right? God is existent, one God and three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God the Son. He is not God the Father. He's not God the Holy Spirit. Those are different people, different persons within the Godhead. Now, this is another topic that is extremely hard for us to wrap our minds around. There is a heresy. You guys know what heresy is? A false belief. There is a heresy that many subscribe to when trying to understand the Trinity. It's a heresy called modalism. And essentially, modalism is this idea that God is one God, but he wears different hats. And sometimes he chooses to be God the Father, and sometimes he chooses to be God the Son, and other times he chooses to be God the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand that this is not the, 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 the view in which the Bible teaches. Modalism is indeed a heresy. It is The Trinity is beyond any kind of analogy. Because God the Father is existent in three persons in one God at all the time. Never does God the Father cease being God the Father. And never does God the Son cease being God the Son. See, the problem with modalism is that in order for God to become the Son, He has to cease being the Father. And He never does. And so God is this this being that is alive and existent in three persons and worthy of our worship. So Jesus is not saying that he is God the Father. He must be referring to something else. He's talking about a couple of different things when he's talking about Jesus being an everlasting Father. I want to mention those two things. First, what I believe the prophet is saying in assigning the title Father to the Messiah is that it is to mean that he is the originator of. The father of something is the originator of something. You guys grasp what I'm saying here, right? In my house, my teenagers use the term OG. 
right? Standing for the original, right? It is the, the, the person that started it. But the OG is more than just being original. It applies to the title Everlasting Father. It means that Jesus is the original and even more so that He is the originator. You think about that. So quite literally, Jesus is the Father of eternity, the originator of all that is eternal. He's the creator of eternity. He's the source of that which is eternal. You know, think about when you think in terms of the originator, you have to go back to understand it clearly from the perspective that you just talked about with, with the creation when it says in Genesis that God said, let us yes. make man in our image. Now, a lot of times we want to speculate and think that that is only in our finite mindset of God the Father and God the Son saying that together, but there was also the Holy Spirit Correct. saying, let us make man in our image. Yep. So we, we forget the 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 third aspect of that trinity, that triune understanding of who God is. So we need to make sure that we bring forward that understanding because this is the originator, but there were other originators out of that when we know that there was a fall. Correct. As well. There because was the origination of There was the of origination sin. of sin. Yeah. And we know that that originates of a sin is satan yep he is known as the father of lies the father of deception the father of corruption yep destruction and so that is the other side of that there are originations but we need to make sure that we know that there was one primary creation yeah that's good one original only one original Yes, one ultimate original. Ultimate. Yeah, that's really good. So you, you guys grasp the idea of the father being original. I like that. <laughs> Satan being the father of lies, he's the originator of lies. And so to say that Jesus is the everlasting father, it means that he's the originator of what is everlasting. That is really, really good. I, I love that. That's good, st- good stuff. So that's one source of how we are to take this father, not as God the father, but as the originator of the second way that I believe that the use of the term father points to Jesus refers to the type of his reign, the type of reign in which Jesus will rule. In other words, Jesus is not a dictator. Jesus is not an elected official that we can vote out if we don't like. Jesus rules and reigns in a, quote, fatherly way a way in which that is caring and compassionate let me reference isaiah 49 verse 15 to prove this point this way in which a fatherly reign is 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 employed by jesus verse 15 of isaiah 49 says this can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb even these may forget But God says, yet I will not forget you. One commentator I read about this particular verse says 
that God almost has to leave the analogy of father and go into the analogy of motherhood to pull out this care and compassion in which Jesus has for us. And so when it says that he's the everlasting father, it's referring to the way in which he's going to reign and rule. He's going to reign and rule like a perfect father. There is no mother in the world that would forget their children. Not one. Maybe in imperfect as they may be, there is still this longing for their child. The same can be true about the fatherly aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not forget you. In fact, how many times does God tell us He will not leave us nor forsake us? It is a principle in which God wants us to understand that His reign and His rule over our lives is that of which is a perfect Father. Now, Pastor Jeff, our world has such a distorted view of fathers today. And you teach, you teach uh, Fireside, which is a men's Bible study that meets on Wednesday nights. And not just fatherhood, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole concept of masculinity seems to be distorted in our culture. Speak to this for us in just a moment when we try to understand Jesus as father, fatherly in his approach toward us. Well, I think one of the... In the present state, masculinity is under attack in our culture. Yeah. Uh, because there's a misunderstanding and culture of it. Yeah. We think that masculinity is void of any feeling or uh, empathy or anything like that. Yeah. That, that's, that's the misconception. Yeah. But when we have a biblical context and an understanding of what biblical masculinity is, is we do have that picture in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he displayed that when he was Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah. And that goes back to uh, the original point that in that everlasting father, God knew that we needed his example in the world. Yeah. And so he sent his son to be our, our visual understanding of the nature of perfection yep. through Christ. Yep. And so when when the simple acts that Jesus did in all of his masculinity, for example, for example, one of the chief things that we see about biblical masculinity was when Jesus looked at the broken woman at the well. Uh huh. That's biblical masculinity. Yeah. There was no perversion there in any way whatsoever. Right. But Jesus saw him. Yeah. Saw her. Saw her. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> sorry. Jesus saw her in her brokenness mm-hmm. and spoke into it. Yeah, that's good. That's biblical masculinity. Yeah. And that's, that's what Jesus brings to us now. You know, as, even as you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about when Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem and he looked over the city. Sure. And what, what did he say? He, he wanted to gather. I got to. I have to gather them. And then, but also almost weeped over the, the, the city, the brokenness of the city. There's this sense of extreme care. You know, I think, I think so many times we think masculinity only has to do with the strength that we can exude or the athletic prowess that we can, we can show. But masculinity is so much more than that. 
Yeah, it's it's not a and Jesus encompassed. It's it. not a physical attribute. Yeah, it, not not in the biblical context. Masculinity is not a physical. Look how strong I am. Yeah, the the masculinity from Christ means that I know when to exert and when to ex- restrain. Yeah, at appropriate times. Yeah, I think I heard someone once one time say Jesus. We have this tendency to paint Jesus as kind of a weak man, like he was didn't say anything in his trials. He just was taken to the cross and like you know just slaughtered and kind of gave up. Didn't have this you know backbone almost so to speak. But you got to remember he was a carpenter. I mean this guy was strong. He endured a beating and just the lashings that probably would have killed normal human beings. Right. I mean, he was a strong man, but yet he's also a man that weeped at the loss of his good friend Lazarus. And and so the, the masculinity of Jesus is a perfect portrayal, I think, of the masculinity that God wants us to hold as prominent in, in our lives and in our hearts and in our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 really good. So so Jesus is the everlasting father. All right. So much more to this that we could, we, could, we could probably camp here all week. Um, but let's move on to the second title. So we looked at Jesus as being the everlasting Father, the eternal Father. But now let's look at Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Just like an everlasting Father, there are two words that compose this title. Prince and Peace. Let's examine this word, Prince. Now, while we have a tendency to understand it as this is a person of royalty, right? This is someone who is in a royal lineage. The reality of what a prince is and the use of this word is, is so much greater. The word translated as prince here literally means chief, captain, ruler, or governor. In the Hebrew word, it is the word sar. Everybody say that with me. Sar. Okay, that's the Hebrew word. Now, I don't usually get so much into the Hebrew word, but I think it's important for you guys to hear that because it applies in so many different contexts, if we think about it. For us to understand the word sar, translated as peace, think about how else it is applied. You remember the Roman rulers? They were named what? Caesar. That's the, the word sar, right? It's, they're the ruler. Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, right? Caesar, the Nero Caesar. And so that's the word. But also, even in more modern days, uh, remember Russia used to call their leader the Tsar, right? It's the same concept here. And so when we read the word prince, we're not reading uh, an ineffective or a ruler in waiting. We're reading an actual ruler, the head, the governor, And so Jesus is the governor, he's the chief, he's the king, and the second word is peace. Anybody want to take a stab at the Hebrew word uh, for this? Shalom. Very good. We got some bright people out there. Shalom. All right. I want you to think back, uh, if you will, at the birth narrative of Jesus, when Jesus was born, right? You guys remember what, what happened in Luke 2, 12 through 14, it says this, the angels are saying, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a, ba- a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying what? 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. The coming of Jesus was an announcement of the arrival of peace. Shalom. Now we would say, that sounds absolutely wonderful, but why in the world have we not experienced peace? If the coming of Jesus was an announcement of peace, why don't we experience it today? Jesus came over 2,000 years ago, and in that 2,000 years of history, how many years have we actually experienced peace? Very few. But the word shalom actually portrays much more than what we think of when we think of the word peace. Right? What do we typically think of when we think of peace? We think of going on vacation, sitting in a chair, listening to the uh, creeks. Uh, what do you call that? The running water? Yeah, waves usually. Waves in the beach. Okay, yeah, waves. Thank you. Thank sitting you. in a chair on the beach. See why right. I need Pastor Jeff? Like this is, this is extremely vital. There's I no knew, telling what you would get. I, you, I knew that's where you were going. Yeah, okay. not many people sit on the creek. So. <laughs> Sometimes you sit on a creek. Sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so the word shalom is much more than what we think of as peaceful. The, the literal concept of shalom is wholeness, completeness. Everything is made right. That's what brings true peace. This is the concept here. When it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, He is what brings wholeness. Let me give you an example of how we can often uh, misunderstand peace. I can remember one time we were going on a family vacation. My sister's eight years younger than me, and we would be in our minivan, and I would just start poking the bear, right? Because you get bored, you want to agitate your sister. And so I would agitate my sister, and we would start arguing back and forth, and my dad would ultimately be the one that would slam on the brakes turn around to the back and said, quiet, except he wouldn't say it that nicely. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what would happen? I mean, we would, we would be quiet, but what's missing? Peace, <laughs> right? We may be quiet, but there's not peace in the van, right? Because my sister's mad that I got her in trouble and I'm mad that now I'm in trouble. And there's this conflict still, even though it's silent, there is very much so conflict that you can cut with a knife, right? That is not peaceful. And so the same is true when it comes to this concept of shalom. It may be quiet, but it's not peaceful. But true shalom is not only is it tranquil, there's redemption of what is broken. So when it says Jesus is the Prince of Peace, He's the one that comes to bring true shalom. Reconciliation between us and God. Scripture tells us that in our sin, we are actually enemies of God. We are opposed to God. But Jesus brings completeness, restoration to our relationship with God. You get the picture? In Jesus is there true restorative peace. Pastor Jeff, talk about how Jesus transcends our concept of peace. Well, I think just your quick illustration of... You've been there? You, 
many times. It was this morning, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but That's you awesome. have this, this element of, of what supposed quietness is, which never, never has peace within it because it's just quiet. Because whenever it gets quiet, you know, if you have small kids and it's quiet, it's a problem, right? <laughs> That's true. I mean, true. Th there's fire going off somewhere That's or everything's being taken off the bookshelves or they're putting stuff down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. I mean, that's, that's just happens. That and seems so, too, too soon. It, so anyway, <laughs> but, but this whole thing about what Christ has when he is, his his peace is the redemption of that you know if you honestly for us today in order to apply and understand how peace can matter to you and i today we have to we have to think about peace in our life as we do when we receive christ it's a reception mm -hmm. and the only way we can receive that is through surrender mm. Because what happens is, is we think that we could force peace to happen through an action, through a verbal shout, or whatever. Yeah. We, we even think that we can force peace through punishment. But peace from Christ is love. Hmm. And that is the love that we receive from Christ. That's and so that is the only way. That is why... Christ is the redemptor, the redemption for the broken, for the unpeaceful. That is awesome. You know, I want to, I want to, didn't necessarily plan on discussing this, but I think it's important based upon what you said. You know, the end of verse seven, the second part of verse seven, after it says, or the whole of verse seven, let's look at it, of the increase of his government, Jesus's government, and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So obviously, right, this is talking about Jesus' return. And whenever he becomes the absolute ruler of the new heaven and the new earth, but, you know, this is more than just government, right? This has, it, peace has to transcend a governmental leader. And, and it says in here that, that with justice and with righteousness. Listen, I don't care how you vote. There is not a human on the face of the planet that, that the attributes of justice and righteousness can fully live and reside. One of the reasons by which we have turmoil in our world is because we have broken leaders trying to lead us towards peace. It's not going to happen. Only a perfect person can lead perfectly. This is why Jesus must reign and rule in our hearts, beloved. Because only he is the one that could sustain that kind of thing from here and forevermore. And it transcends whatever is happening in our lives Whatever ha is happening in our culture, there is a peace, there is a resolve that comes from having Jesus as king. That's so important for us to understand in, 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 our, in our day and time. Okay, so let's talk about some application points, right? This is why they really came today, okay. right? 
Application points. Number one, two, t- two takeaways quickly. Number one, allow the Lord to be your father. Allow Jesus to be your father. Now, I know whenever I say that, it probably conjures up all kinds of emotions within us. Because guess what? How do we view God as father in our lives? By the closest thing that we can relate to a father, which is our earthly fathers, right? And there's a lot of brokenness in our earthly fathers. They are not perfect. Far from it. Now, I'm blessed to have had a wonderful dad, but he was very imperfect. Still is. Some of you, perhaps your dad's abandoned you. Your dad's hurt you. And so for me to say, allow the Lord to be your father is something that you want to have nothing to do with. But you have to remember something. God is perfect where our earthly fathers are very imperfect. I'm not talking to you about allowing an imperfect father to father you. I'm talking about allowing the perfect heavenly father to be your father. Now, Pastor Jeff, talk about how how can we do that? Great. One of the things that that I try to encourage our fellows with when we're talking about practical application of, of being a father, being a man, how to live a biblical manhood. You know, we can look at one another to try to find some commonality and encouragement. We need that. We still need that today, guys. We need to be encouraging our fellow brothers in Christ to say, hey, let's, let's regroup here. Let's, let's take a look at what are the characteristics that we need to be doing. But the only way that we're going to do that, guys, is, you know, you've heard that commercial, D- don't do as I say, do as I do. And that's a scary thing. You know who, who was the author of that? Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul said, I want you to do like I do. I, I, I want you to do that. And now that's a scary thing, isn't it? Especially us guys when we say, no, I don't, I don't want you to listen to what I say. I want you to listen to what I do. Mm-hmm. Because it's easier the other way around. Mm-hmm. I can say things that I want you to do, but I don't do them myself because I can, I can cop out on it and say, well, it's, I want you to do this because it's good for you, mm-hmm. but I'm, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. So the whole, the whole point of being this, this example of what we're trying to do is is that the father that we need to surrender to is the biblical model of Christ. And he did that. Mm-hmm. That's what we look at. That's why we always push you as church family and anybody we talk to back to God's word. If That's you're good. getting fatherhood or surrendering and asking asking uh, to see God as your father, if you're getting that picture from anything else, you will be disappointed. Yeah. You will be disappointed. That's good. I think one thing that I would urge you, if, if, you, if you have a relationship with your father that is, that is severed, uh, just this, this is a piece of advice for you. See your dad the way God sees your dad. Right? God, God so loved your dad 
that he gave his son Jesus, that he might have a restored relationship with God. The same is true for you. When you allow the Lord to be your father, you no longer look at God through the lens of your father. You look at your father through the lens of God. And this changes everything. And so allow the Lord, the Lord God, to be your perfect father. Second application point, allow the Lord to give you peace. I think that I could pretty much hit on every scenario to say that there is probably some aspect to your life where there is no peace. Maybe your jobs, maybe your home life, maybe a relationship, maybe a circumstance outside of those things that is surrounding your life. There is an area to our lives that is not peaceful. And we may put up a facade and we may make it look like all is well and all is at peace, but you guys know what I'm talking about. There's an area of our lives in which there is no peace. Allow the Lord to grant you peace. That's the beauty of Christmas. Far more than quiet. It may be loud, but you can have peace. Knowing that Jesus is on His throne. Jesus is in control. Jesus has this. Whatever you're up against, He's got it causes us to live in peace. Max Lucado once said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. Peace with God. The truth is we all need peace. We don't just need tranquility and quiet. We need restoration. The Bible teaches that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the result of this sin is living in extreme brokenness. Perhaps the greatest news that you could receive today is that you're a sinner. But God loves you immensely. And he made a way for the brokenness of our lives to be restored in the person and work of Jesus Christ. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.